Welcome to the Royal Christian Centre Sermon Podcast. So today I pray that in the next few minutes you will connect with Jesus and that something quite amazing will happen in your life. Now we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic voice of God and it's from 1 Corinthians, a few verses are going to come up now, because today we're talking about hearing the voice of God, or hearing from God. Does God speak to you? And if God is speaking to you, what is he saying? Well, we're going to have a little look at that this morning. And first of all, it's 1 Corinthians 12, and here, here is some of the scriptures related to the subject. To one there is given through the Holy Spirit a message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. And to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits, that's good, good spirits and evil spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. That is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So we're talking perhaps... We should be talking about wisdom and the word of knowledge and things like that. But I, I've got to come at this subject from somewhere else. Pastor Greg, when he asked me to speak, he's away this weekend. Uh, he said, give some personal illustrations from your own experience. Well, I'd like to start now and I'll finish in about 12 days time. Because as you know, I'm not 21 anymore. And uh, there's an awful lot of experience. But I'm not going to talk about the things that I have experienced until right at the end. I'm going to try and be brief because I know some of you are new to the church here this morning. And we don't want to be irrelevant. And we want you to get something that you can take home and say, Wow, if God is that great... And God is that amazing. And Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that my sins could be forgiven and I could go to heaven. I want to connect with Jesus. I want Jesus to come into my life and be real to me and to change me so that I can be a child of God and one day go to heaven. So that's the goal of this morning, that you find Jesus for yourself, that you find a life through Jesus which is absolutely amazing, exciting, vibrant, dynamic, and that you one day will go to heaven. And I look forward to being there with you, which is quite exciting for me. Let's then talk together about this wonderful subject. First, I want to ask the question this morning, do you want to hear from God? Oh no, I go to church. No, you don't go to church. We are sometimes not quite connected on that subject. You see, we go into a building, but that's not the church, is it? The church is 
the body of people. You are the church. When you're not here, the church is missing. When you are here, the church is present. And when we're all here, the church is at a miracle. You are the church. You are the living body of God, the living body of Christ in this world. You are special. The church is the salt that changes society. The church is the light that stands bright no matter what darkness is going on politically or in any other way, in any other stratosphere. You are light and you keep that light shining. That's what the church is about. So this morning, I want to ask you, do you want to hear from God? Well, I believe with all my heart that every one of us needs to hear from God. And hearing from God is, it's not you saying a prayer. It's not you going to God and giving your daily wish list. You know, we do sometimes do that, don't we? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, Father, I want you to do this for me, and this for me, and this for me, and this. And you get stuck on, give us this day our daily bread. Because somehow, it's you are the important one. You are everything. And i got to say to you, that really is what it's about. You see, if God spoke to you and said to you, Grace, tomorrow I've got a plan for you. And tomorrow I want you to get up two hours early. No, 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 please don't ask me to do that. Yes. And then I, what would you feel like? You would have a shock, wouldn't you? But more than that, I suppose that the shock would be so amazing that you'd say, hold on a minute, I'll do that. This has never happened to me before. I'll do that and let's see what happens. You see, that's what God wants to do with you. God wants to speak to you in such a way that you have an, ex an experience, an amazing experience of his power and greatness. Because God is alive. He is not dead. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is alive. It's only the church that's half dead. Come on, wake up. Jesus is alive. Yeah. And if Jesus is alive, you shall live also. That's what the Bible says. And it is Christ in you. Jesus alive in you. That's what makes the experience of Christianity special. It is not a building. It is not what other people think. It's what you you experience it's you and God walking hand in hand walking together and you not speaking to God all the time but perhaps starting off by saying something like this Father God this is my prayer my ears are open speak Samuel said it speak Lord your servant is listening and when he said that, God began to speak to him. And God speaks to you when you open the Bible. He speaks to you through this amazing book. 
But if you've never tried it, do. Pick your Bible up. Open the Bible. Go to St. Mark or St. John and read it. And you will find that God will start speaking to you. You know, God isn't dumb. It's just we're a bit deaf. But God wants to speak to you. And he wants to speak to you today. So that you can have an amazing and fulfilled and deeper relationship with him. So let's start with the obvious. Are you born again? Are you born again? Have you asked Jesus into your life? Have you asked him to take your sin away, to become your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life to him and said, okay, I'm willing for you to take over as the driver because you know how to drive. Now that sometimes is hard, you know, because we say to God, God, Ride my car. And he says, well, get out of the driving seat then. Oh, no. No, no. I stay in the driving seat, Lord. You know, don't ask too much. Well, at least give me the accelerator on your bike. No, no, we're in a car. And we have an accelerator. Most Christians are on their bike, pedaling like crazy and getting nowhere. Come on, God says. If you want to experience something amazing, I, creator of the heavens and the earth, I, who have been around for billions and billions and billions and trillions of years as far as your understanding is concerned, I, from eternity to eternity, I can do for you what you can't do for yourself. I can change your life, transform your life. I can make your life a living daily miracle. Get out of the driving seat and let me drive your car are you born again if you're not then today you can be you can become a child of God you can come into God's family you can ask Jesus into your life and that connection will transform you you will be born again new life unless you become a child of God you cannot experience the things of God so that's the first one if you're born again do you have a daily walk with God? Now, Sundays are great, and it's lovely to see you in church, but God will be around tomorrow morning at five o'clock when you get up for work. You do get up for work at five on a Monday. Well, some of you do, I know one or two. But the fact is that God is around on Monday. And for every day of the week, God wants to be there walking with you, talking with you, and having that personal relationship with you. Prayer, reading the Bible, and the Bible is not boring. It's a love letter from God to you. Love letters aren't boring, are they? I'm worried. What sort of love letters have you written? What sort of love letters have you received? Love letters are not boring. And the Bible is a love letter from God. It's a letter that says, I love you. John 3.16 sums it up. I love you so much that I have given my only son that whoever believes in him won't perish and go to hell but will have everlasting life and go to heaven. I love you and have given you my very best so that your life can be the very best and when you die you can go to heaven which is the very best everything else is just a shadow 
So love letters from God, start reading them. And then have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or are you open to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit as on the day of Pentecost? Now, if you said yes, yes, yes to those things, then you can pass go. But now comes the crunch, the real clincher. Are you willing to give your whole life to God? Or are you saying, God, I'll give you an hour or two hours on a Sunday morning, but never ask me to go to church Sunday night. God, I will give you five minutes at some point in the day, but don't ask for six. God, I'll listen to you if you don't talk to me when Coronation Street's on. I'll listen to you as long as you don't talk to me during EastEnders. I'll listen to you if your voice fits in to my life my pattern of life. I'll listen to you as long as you turn up when it's convenient. I want to say to you, please, that's not how it works. And that's why the Christian church is in a mess in this country. That's why people don't really know God. Because they know about religion and don't like it. They know about church buildings and they're decaying and falling down. But they don't have a relationship with God. If we treated our husbands and wives in that way, we would break our marriages. If we treated our children in that way, we would break our families. Many people do. Many people do. It's not an excuse for that. It's just a statement. Stop. Think. Get it right. Are you willing to give your whole life to Jesus? Or perhaps you want all of God without giving him all of you. A one-sided relationship or marriage can never fully work. Would you turn with me to a, a few verses from the book of Mark, one of those lovely gospels, the gospel of St. Mark, and it's chapter 10. And it's a story of a young man who came to Jesus and in verse 17 it says as Jesus started on his way a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him good teacher he asked what must I do to be a Christian what must I do to be saved what must I do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good Jesus answered no one is good except God alone you know the commandments do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not commit false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, declared the young man, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Let me say to you this morning, God is in this place. And Jesus is here. And Jesus is looking at you and me. And Jesus loves you. He loves you with a love which is way beyond anything anybody has ever displayed to you. Because Jesus alone died on the cross for you. Jesus alone rose from the dead for you. And Jesus alone lives to walk with you and to listen to your prayers but to change your life. Jesus, Jesus loves you. And it says here again, Jesus loved him. 
One thing you lack, said Jesus. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. I have to say to you this morning, it's not just wealth in terms of money and possessions. It can be opinion. I've got my opinions, don't ask me to surrender them. I've always voted this way politically, that's who I am. I know who I am, I am me. There are times where you've just got to stop that and say to God, I'm willing to learn your way. I'm willing to change. So let's ask a very simple question. What is stopping you from coming to Jesus? What is stopping you from coming into a relationship with God as your Father? What is stopping you today from beginning that journey, which is the most amazing and exciting journey that anyone can ever start? And I know. I know from great experience because I've been on that journey for over 65 years. It's exciting. No, no, I'm not 65. I'm quite a bit more than that. But I asked Jesus into my heart as a child. I experienced as a child the love of God. I learned to read my Bible. It was the first book I ever learned to read. I learned to pray as a little boy. And I learned that God loved me. And he, whether I was in business, as I was as a young man, or changed and went and trained for the ministry later on, it didn't matter. The important thing was, God was and is with me. He is amazing. And he loves me. Don't let anything stand in the way of you coming to Jesus. Don't let anything, Pride, Prejudice, Jane Austen in any of her books, don't allow anything to stop you from connecting with the greatness and the beauty and the wonder and the love of God and the love of Jesus. Jesus loved that young man, but no, he went away sad. You see, wanting to be a Christian and wanting to know God and wanting to hear God's voice is not enough. If you want to hear from God, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and move in the area of prophecy with words of wisdom, words of knowledge, then there is a path to walk. There is a price to pay. There is a life to be lived. And it needs to be lived every single day. You don't get time off except with bad behavior. Because then it means you've turned your back on the will of God and you're walking in the wrong direction. So what is the price? Well, you're going to have to forgive me. Those of you who've been in this church for a, a long time will know that I only know one verse from the Bible. Not true. But there's one verse which means more to me than any. And you'll find it in Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to read the verses around it today for a change. Verse 10 of Jeremiah 29 says this. This is what the Lord says. Listen. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you 
and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Now, after this prophecy, 70 years exactly, the Jews were brought back to Jerusalem. God kept his word. God kept his promise. But this promise is wider. Verse 11. For God says, I know the plans I have for you. God has a plan for your life. You might not have connected with it yet, but don't worry. God has a plan for your life. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity and gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares God, uh, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God is saying to you, no matter how good your life is, no matter how bad your life is, he has a plan for your life to make it what he wants it to be. And that ain't going to be bad. That's going to be exciting and amazing and fantastic. But you have to surrender to the plan of God. You have to say, okay, I haven't tried this before. I've not tried this before. It's time to try it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, God has got a lot for you. Don't hesitate, don't delay. Allow God to connect with you today. Allow your heart to be surrendered to him today. And don't be like Moses. Do you know how long it took Moses to surrender? 80 years. 80 years. I'm not 80 yet, don't start. 80 years. It took him 80 years before he came and stood at the burning bush and said, okay, God, I give up. I surrender to you. And for the next 40 years, he did incredible things. But it was a long, long journey to the burning bush. And then, what about Jonah? Jonah took a sea trip in the wrong direction. And God gave him a fish trip in the right direction. I don't think any of us would have liked to have joined him in the fish, would we? What I do know is, that God, when he does connect with you, loves you so much, he will follow you and follow you and follow you. Yes, he will. God's woken me up in the middle of the night, sometimes two and three and four and whatever. And God has said, Paul, I want you to get up at five in the morning. <laughs> oh, grace is dreading tomorrow. <laughs> I want you. I want you. God wants you. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I love you. And I have loved you with an everlasting love. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I want you to become light in the darkness. That's an amazing thing. I want you to become salt in your society because your world's in a mess. And it needs people who are not in a mess, who know what it's right to do and how it's right to live. And people who can influence their families, influence their street, their work. People who can bring light into darkness and make the world a better place. Well, Jonah, in the belly of the whale or in the belly of the fish, surrendered to God and had a miracle. And God took him and 
brought salvation to Nineveh. And then there's Peter. Peter spent three and a half years following Jesus, and he still got it wrong. But do you know something? God still loved him. Jesus still loved him. And if you've had it difficult, and you've got things wrong in the past, don't start, oh, God won't love me. I did this, I did that, I've done this, I've done that. I've got to tell you something. Peter was loved. And Jesus said to him, Peter, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to deny me three times. Then you're going to hear a cock. And the cock is going to crow three times. And you will remember. And then you're going to start your journey to get it sorted out. That's exactly what happened. And that's why if you turn into the Gospel of St. John, verses 20, uh, chapter 21, verses 10 to 19, you'll see how the re- after the resurrection, Jesus was doing breakfast on the seashore. And he called them in. And there he talked to Peter. And he said to Peter, Not you waste of space, how could you deny me? Not you failure. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, no doubt, with his head bowed low and feeling full of shame, said, Yes, Lord, I, I do love you. But the word was not love. The word was like. And it's a different word. You see, in the Greek, there's a word called philio, which is, I like you, but it still says love. And then there's a word called agape, which is unconditional, total love. And Peter said, Lord, yes, I I filio you, I, I like you. And Jesus said, Peter, second time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, I like you. I filio you. But Jesus was persistent. And he's persistent with you and me. And he said to him, no, Peter, not enough. It's not enough. To know about me is not to know me. Yeah? We can go out for dinner with a girl or for me, for a girl, for you, bloke, whatever. We can go out for dinner 50 times and shake hands at the door of the restaurant, one going one way, one going the other way. That's not knowing. That's not understanding. But then you can take it in a different direction and you can get married. And when you wake up and you see somebody first thing in the morning and you look and you say, Man, she's gorgeous. You know you're in love because your eyes have gone funny. (laughs) But your love has changed from let's go for a date to let's build a family. It's different. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, we're not talking about being friends here. We're talking of something deeper and better. Peter, do you really, really, really and truly love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? Will you love me with your life? And Peter was convicted. And when Jesus asked him the third time, he said, Lord, you know everything. I do. Agape. You. 
I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. And I'm sorry I made a mistake and I'm sorry I denied you and I'm sorry I messed up. But from this day, I won't mess up again. I'll just follow you. Oh, come on. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? Peter spent three and a half years getting it wrong, really. But then he started a journey into a new life. You see, every one of these men came to this Jeremiah 29, 11 verse. And though that verse wasn't quoted to them, they experienced it because... In their heart, they heard God say, I have a plan for your life. Surrender to my plan. I have a purpose for you. You're not a mess. You're mine. You're not a mistake. You're part of my plan. You are special to me. They all came. They all surrendered. And now, you can. It's time to apply these truths to our lives. It's time to surrender our plans, our frustrations, our disappointments, even our hopes and dreams. When you apply the surrender principle, God steps in. Think of your life now. Now think of these things that are not working. And for a few moments, I just want to throw them out to you. Let's look at a few things that people say in excuse over their lives. Concerning prayer, reading the Bible, house groups on a, or transform labs, I'm a bit old fashioned, I'm still on house groups. But Tuesday night we have house groups in this church, groups of people meeting all the way around the Wirral. And lots of people say, oh, I can't do that. I've, I've, I've got... I've got too much to do, you know. I really have. I signed up for Sky Network and they have football now on a Tuesday night. So I can't. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We make excuses. And, and so people say things like, I don't have time. There is never enough time to read my Bible and pray. Secondly, it's impossible for me to read my Bible and pray every day. Thirdly, I have too many worries. My finances are in a mess. My children are causing concern. My health isn't great. My job is getting me down. Okay. What are we going to do? Shall we muddle through and carry on and let the status quo control our lives? Or will we surrender these things to God? You see, if you look into Jeremiah 29, in verse 10 it says, I will come to you. Verse 11, I have plans for you. Verse 12, pray to me, call to me. Verse 13, seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Verse 14, I will bring you back. In other words, it's time to surrender for success. We're going to turn everything upside down in the next five minutes and then I'll close. Very, very simple. Surrender the mess and you'll find it's transformed. I love making Yorkshire puddings. If anybody wants the recipe, talk to me. They rise. They are good. And you can fill them with your gravy. 
And I was teaching my grandsons that if they're made just right, you can pick up that Yorkshire pudding and it's like a cup. You can almost drink the gravy from the Yorkshire pudding. Uh, it's all down to the quality of the eggs. When I make that Yorkshire pudding at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning and then put it into the fridge, it's just a mess. It's in a bowl and it doesn't look a thing. And then I take it out and then I warm the pan. Sometimes life has to get pretty hot for you so that you understand there's a need for change. A bit of oil in there and the oil is now going to be smoking. We're in the kitchen, the kitchen of life. A fresh whisk and then pour it in. Then put it into that oven and you leave it for 30 minutes and don't keep on fiddling with the door. Leave it alone. Let it do its own thing. If you want to do anything, stand on the opposite side of the kitchen and pray. No, just watch through the glass. Up they come. And then you've got something which is totally different. All the ingredients were there, but they only became what they were intended to become when they got into the oven of life in the heat of the day and changed because there was pressure and temperature to make them what they were intended to be. Don't be afraid of pressure. Don't be afraid of the temperature. Don't be afraid when things don't seem to be going quite right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Proverbs chapter 3. Now, come on. God says, I'll bring you back. You can surrender for success. So first of all, surrender your time. Jesus got up a great while before it was yet day and went into a solitary place to pray. Jesus, at the end of the day, went up a mountain to pray. That was what the Bible says about Jesus. If Jesus needed special time, so do we. So why don't you get up 15 minutes early and spend 15 minutes with Jesus? Just spend 15 minutes with Jesus. Get up early, go somewhere quiet, and spend 15 minutes with Jesus. It will change your life. That's the hand of God. It will change your life. That's the hand of God. The five-finger exercise. It will change your life. You walk with God. You read your Bible. You, and get the Bible in your head so you can quote it over and over to yourself. That's my blessing. I'm driving along. Yeah? Yeah? And I can quote the Bible, loads of it. And it feeds my soul and it cleanses my mind and it gives me direction. Oh, come please and surrender. Surrender your time, 15 minutes. Just maybe seven or eight minutes reading your Bible, then seven or eight minutes praying or vice versa. Just do it. You will find that God will help you. Now you have surrendered your time to God. God will plan your day. Suddenly, you'll have more time. Suddenly, you'll be better at everything. You'll be more focused. You will have direction. You'll stop fiddling around and you'll find that things begin to work because all things work together for good to those who love God 
and to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, when you are surrendering to God your day, he plans it for you and he crosses out all the nonsense and he gives you the best. Isn't that exciting? It excites me. Now you have surrendered your time, God will plan everything and open his word so that you can see where to go, what to go. And he will also hear your prayers. Next, let's look at those worries. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God wants you to come and give the whole lot. You know, my husband's a pain, give him to God. I wish I could. Give him to God. My kids are off the rails, give them to God. I wish I could. Give them to God. My finances are in a mess. Give it to God. I wish I could. Give it to God. Let's just have a look at these things because these are practical, but they work. First of all, you want to sort out your finances? I'll tell you how to sort out your finances. My dad taught me when I was eight years old with two shillings. He told me when I was a kid with two shillings, 24 pence. He said, son, here's your pocket money. Now give one-tenth to God. Being a clever clocks, I went away and I thought, 24 pence. That's uh, 2.4 pence. So, two and a half pennies, really. But I wonder if I could just give two. So I went to my dad and I said to my dad, Dad, do I have to give two pennies or two and a half? And my dad said, threatens. And I thought, oh, I wish I hadn't gone and asked him. I said, why is that? He said, well, 2.4 is near 2.5, so you round it up. He said, but God expects you to tithe, but when you give the extra half a penny, God begins to bless that. And son, you'll never be poor when you honor God. Poverty comes when you don't. That's why it says in the book of Malachi, would a man rob God? And then it says, bring your tithes into the storehouse and prove me, test me now, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour upon you a blessing that there is not room enough to contain it. Do you know something? If you want your finances to really be blessed, give them to God. Tithe. And I don't know if Graham Cowell is in this morning. I can't see him. If you're here, wave. No, not here this morning. But if you can, see Graham Cowley. He deals with what's called gift aid. And if you pay tax, gift aid your tithe. Why? Because then the tax man down in London, he gives something to God as well. Who's in favor of the tax man blessing God? Yeah, gift aid. Just do it. I learned to tithe as a child, eight years old. 62 years on, I still tithe. And I'll tell you something. My God shall supply all. Oh, it's five fingers again. My God shall supply all. If you want the whole verse, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. Don't rob God. Tithe. Give it, and then give 
offerings and blessing on top of that. Supporting those kids in Nigeria. We didn't hear about that this morning, but don't lose it. Don't lose it. Sign up and say, I'll bless a child in Nigeria. I'll give a fiver this Christmas. I'll give 10 quid this Christmas. Because those kids in Nigeria, they're going to have an education and I'm going to help that process. Get involved. Get connected. You can know the blessing of God. But God can only give to you in response to what you give to him. That's why when you give God your heart, you're born again, you go to heaven. When you give God your worries, he takes them away. When you give God your finance, he takes what you give him, multiplies it a hundred times over, and pours it back. It sounds like a good bank of heaven to me. It works. It works. Try it, and you will see, because God is no man's debtor. Let's sort your children out. You worried about your kids? Your grandkids? I'll tell you what to do. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? This works. Take some oil, olive oil most probably. Go into the bedroom and put a dab on the pillow. And while your finger is there with the dab, say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, as my son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, as they go to sleep tonight, will you connect with them? Will you change the way they think? Will you release them from this bad habit? Will you release them from this bad company? Will you release them from, come on, let's go big style, drug addiction? It works. It works. Release them, Father God, from being so bad-tempered. That brings heaven in the home. Yeah? To have kids who aren't bad-tempered is wonderful. Oh, never mind. <laughs> you know, you say, Pastor, it's not just that. They're just untidy. Well, come on. Why, why don't we apply it? Father God, my child is so untidy. Father God, my child is struggling to read, struggling to write. My child is struggling with friendships at school. My child is irritating the teacher and not getting the best out of class. My child needs help and I can't connect with them as I would love to. I can't get them to, to see what I'm trying to say. God, I need you. You created my child. Anoint the pillow with oil. Once, get a life. Get a life. If you say to a girl, I love you, and it's the only time you say, I love you in 40 or 50 years of marriage, then she might get a bit bored waiting. You persist. With God, you persist. There's a story of, a, uh, Jesus tells the story of a woman who was a widow and she went to a judge asking for justice and he said, oh, go away. And she said, no, I stay here until I get my justice. And eventually he said, because she's wearing me down, I'll give her what she wants. And Jesus said, that's how you've got to be. If you really believe in something, don't give up on it. If you believe in someone, don't give up on them. Anoint the pillow with oil and keep praying. I have to say it works on unsaved husbands as well. Oh, and wives. <laughs> Fortunately, mine isn't. She's a Christian. Thank God. <laughs> Anoint the pillow with oil. 
Sort out your finances. Sort out your children. Sort out your health. Prayer stations are here so that you can be anointed with oil at any time. And you can go to one of these prayer stations and receive anointing. And you will receive your miracle. God answers prayer. Yeah? Andy, the other week, he was struggling with his knees in a big way. He went to one of these prayer stations. God healed him right there, right then. He was telling the testimony in the house group just a, a couple of weeks back. He's here somewhere this morning. God answers prayer. Get yourself. Anoint those joints. Anoint. Sort out your job. <laughs> we get it a bit wrong. We do a job search. I've got a rotten job. I'll search for a new one. Great. Do it your way. Or you could do it God's way. How's that? Pray and ask God. And then start the job search. And God, because you're living in a world, you know, where you switch on the computer, you want one answer and about 4,000 pages turn up. You're confused before you start, aren't you? Aren't I? <laughs> Obviously, I'm the only one. Trust in the Lord. Pray. Then start your job search. And you will find that God will lead you to the job he wants for you. God will help you. Now I'm nearly finished. Now you're reading God's word. You're opening your heart, your home, your family, your finances. You're opening your life to God. God will come in and you will find that his kingdom will come and his will shall be done in your life. And the life surrendered to God will experience the miraculous. I was eight years old and one day I was walking to church and I passed a garden gate with a lady and she was a massive lady leaning over the garden gate. And she said, where are you going, young Paul? So I said, I'm going to church. She said, are you now? I said, yes. Why? I said, because I want to learn more about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is special. Why? Because he died on the cross for you. Why? Because I have sins and my sins need to be forgiven. Why? And, oh. <laughs> it isn't just little children that ask why a thousand times. But God put it into my heart and God said, invited to church so I said Elsie I'll come and collect you tonight and we'll go to church together and she laughed and said okay so at quarter past six I knocked the door and she was ready and she took my hand one hand just about took my arm <laughs> she took my hand and off we went to church not very far up the road and that night she went into church and she heard that Jesus loved her and that Jesus died for her and that Jesus lived and that her life could be changed. And she said, Jesus, I want you to come in. This sounds good. And she asked Jesus into her life. She went home. She told Arthur. I'm glad she told Arthur. Oh, I, he had an aerial square four 1,000cc motorbike. My first motorbike journey of life. Oh, I'm glad she told Arthur. And Arthur was quite ingenious. He got a tank aerial from the local uh, MOD depot. Surplus to requirements. He didn't steal it. 
He got this tank aerial. He made it into a fishing rod. And we were down the river trend. And he taught me how to fish. Oh, I'm so glad she told Arthur. Arthur came to church the next Sunday. And Arthur heard that Jesus died. And Jesus rose. And Jesus, got, and Jesus came into Arthur's life. The following Sunday, they brought the mother. Now, she was 150 at the time. Remember, I was eight. And she was possibly as old as I am now, but it did seem that she... And don't you lot say, are you 150? She, came, she asked Jesus into her life. The following week, I went round, why I don't know, but I went in, and a voice from the front bedroom down... Or the front room downstairs, which had become a bedroom, shouted out, Hey, young Paul, come here. So I went in. And it was Mr. Bonner. And Mr. Bonner had been in bed for years. And Mr. Bonner said, Hey, young Paul, I don't know what you did to our Elsie, but she's better. And I don't know what you did to our Arthur, but he's a new man. And I don't know what you did to my wife, but it's good. Do it to me. And I thought, I haven't done anything. I only asked them to go to church. And Jesus did it all. So in my moment of panic, do you know what I did? I ran home to my big brother, who is nearly six years older than me. And I said, Mike, Mr. Bonner, he wants to accept Jesus, but I don't know what to do. So my brother went round. And my brother, who was about 13 then, I guess, led Arthur uh, led Mr. Bonner to the same prayer that Elsie and Arthur and Mama prayed. And he asked Jesus into his life. Just a few weeks later, he was dead and he'd gone to heaven. I'm glad he'd asked Jesus into his life. I was eight years old. I was eight years old and I went to church. I went to a prayer meeting. I didn't know much about anything. But I prayed. And one day, while I was praying, I began to speak with a language I didn't know. I still am stuck on French. It's de baguette, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> but if you're talking about speaking with tongues and finding the greater things of God, I want to tell you, it unlocks your life. Speaking with tongues just lifts the burden, breaks the chains, releases the soul. That's eight years old. And then I was 20 in Lincoln. Young lad. 21 shops in my care, 100 men working for me, boutiques up and down the country. And on a Saturday night, if I was local to Lincoln, back from my shops, I would go with the rest of the team and we would go around Lincoln to tell people about Jesus. I remember the first experience actually was on a half day. It was Thursday half day closing. And a friend of mine who was Ian Jennings, and another friend of mine, Peter, we used to meet and we said a prayer and then we went to tell people about Jesus on our half day. And we were out in the Arboretum. And as we were out talking to people about Jesus, three lads came, similar age to ourselves, and these three lads, they, they were having a bit of a laugh. You know? And Ian was talking to them and they were having a bit of a laugh and pulling his leg. And, and suddenly my mouth opened. And out of my mouth came these words. Hey, if God gave you a sign, would you believe? 
they were having a laugh then. They said, what do you mean a sign? I said, well, look at all the clouds up there. If God turned those clouds into a big sword in the sky, would you believe? They laughed and they said, yeah, I suppose so. And then something happened, which was out of this world. Because the power of God came on a 20-year-old rookie. And I said to the first one, this is your name, this is your address, and this is what you do. And then the second one, and then the third one. And by the time I said it to the third one, they dropped on their knees and they realized God was real. My friends had dropped on their knees. They realized God was real. I didn't drop on my knees. I was shaking too much. If I'd have fallen over, I might never have got up. Because suddenly, I realized, in a way I'd never realized before, that God was real giving me their name, address, and what they did. Two weeks later, we were out Saturday night, and we were giving out leaflets and talking to people about Jesus. And this bloke, he took the leaflet from one of us in the group, I don't know which one, he screwed it up, he threw it on the ground, and he shouted a load of foul obscenities, and he stormed off. About half a minute later, one of them said, He's coming back. And I turned to see this rather large man coming storming down the road. And he was coming like this at a pace. And just as he got in front of me, the power of God lifted him up, took him a meter over to one side, and he shot on. And he was a few yards down the road before he realized, where are they? And he turned around and he came back and he said these incredible, wonderful words, which I'll never forget to the day I die. How did you do that? How did you do that? And I said, I didn't. But you came back to hurt. And God wasn't going to let that happen. So God lifted you over there. I said, but I can see in you that there is someone hurting really badly. Why are you hurting? He said, today my son died, and today God wasn't there for me. If there's a God, why did my son die? I didn't have the answers, but I talked, and then I said, tomorrow morning, meet me. Let's go to church together and see if God will give you an answer. God did. He asked Jesus into his life. His life was changed. His family was changed. His future was changed. His pain was released. And he understood at least his child was in heaven. Something miraculous happened for him. i got to tell you, a few weeks later we were out. It was 10 o'clock. Guy comes out of a pub and he says, there is no God and I'll prove it to you. And he threw a punch at my face. The punch landed on my nose. With all the power of a pretty heavyweight boxer. Except... I wasn't the person who cried. He cried. Because he hit a brick wall, invisible. My nose didn't crumble, but his fist did. My nose wasn't bruised, his fist was. But then he lost his temper and started to pound at the brick wall. This incredible, invisible shield that God had put there, I've only experienced it once, but I'm glad he was there for me then. Don't tell me that God isn't there for you. 
I've traveled this world. I've been in Nigeria with guns in my face. I have seen the power of God release me from gangs and guns and bitterness and hatred. And sometimes it's gone a bit awry. Yes, I once lost a tooth. We won't talk about that one. And yes, I did get a punch on the nose a couple of times. And yes, I, I, I did once get cut by a razor. But I tell you what, every experience had a purpose. And I'm here to tell you that if you will surrender to God, everything may not be perfect for you, but it will fit God's perfect plan for you. You will become the man that God wants you to be. You will become the woman God wants you to be. God will speak to you and God will speak through you and lives will be changed. But my experiences started when I surrendered to God. I was 21 years old. I had 21 shops. And God said, I want you to train to become a pastor. I didn't want to go. It was something I was good at. In fact, I wasn't good. I was brilliant. And I loved it with all my heart. And God said, no, I want you to give that up and become a pastor. So I gave up success. And I went to Bible school and trained. And then I went to a big church, massive church. There were seven people there on the first service. But Sunday night, we doubled. We had 14 and then three and a half years later, two and a half years later, I was sent to Birkenhead. And we again had seven people at the first service. And on the night, 14. And I've never moved from Birkenhead in case it happens again. <laughs> you see, things may not be easy, but things will be exciting. And all things will work together for good. It starts with surrender. Surrender your time. Surrender your finance. Resent, surrender your opinions. But start by surrendering your life to Jesus. Can we just pray about that? Because that's where it all starts. I asked you at the beginning, have you been born again? Have you asked Jesus into your life? And tonight, uh, sorry, this morning, you may be saying, I, I, I've never done that. But I've got to tell you, Jesus loves you so much. He wants to connect with you.